0: Welcome back to the SagePost 47 podcast. This is your host, Sierra Ty Brownlee, Pomona College Class of 2024. And today I'm joined by Will Lear, Pomona College Class of 2007 and current member of the Board of Directors for the USA track and field. Will, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today.
1: Absolutely. Pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you. Um, To get started, could you just talk a little bit about kind of your Pomona experience and maybe some of the things that you were involved with?
1: Sure. Uh, As you mentioned, I graduated in 2007, which was many moons ago. (laughs) Um, But, you know, what's great about the college is that I think that ultimately the student experience hasn't really changed that much. You know, I had distinct memories of driving into South Campus as a freshman and moving into Harwood Dorm, you know, the same as as all the students are doing uh, doing these. Well, maybe not the exact same, because I'm I'm sure that uh, COVID has thrown some wrenches into that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, going to college in California I grew up in Minnesota
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: going to school in California was my first time ever really moving away from home.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh what a better place, you know. <laughs> um my my door my my uh hallmates in in Harwood were sort of like immediate best friends. Um yeah. and from day one on campus, I was involved in sports. And so I was on the cross country team in the fall and the track and field teams in the spring. Yeah. And, and those were, I mean, another just like instantaneous group of friends and still a lot of those guys I talk to, you know, on a mm-hmm. daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, but I think that uh, compared to a lot of the contemporaries and colleagues that I've had in the sport of professional track and field, um, mm-hmm. uh, being a division three school offered a unique opportunity. And that was really to immerse oneself in the full student athlete experience.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Namely that, you know, I, in class, I was a student like everybody else.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And really on the field of play, we were students first and athletes second, because we were there to go to school. We weren't there to, we didn't, you know, have grand aspirations of being in, you know, the NBA or the NFL or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, which I just think led to a really wholesome and fulfilling diverse experience uh, across studies and, and sport. And uh, I wouldn't have changed anything for the world.
0: Okay. That sounds great. Um, And so you just mentioned that being at like a D3 school was an interesting balance between being a student and then being an athlete, but then you did go on to be a professional athlete. So, did you, like, was that a goal of yours um, during college or kind of what, how did that come about? Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it was never really a goal. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, when I was in high school, I think I applied to like 14 or 17 different colleges and universities, Yeah, uh, many of which didn't have track and field teams. And mm-hmm. so running was something that I always liked to do um, and I was fairly good at in high school but I didn't ever, I mean, I didn't even know that professional track and field existed when I was in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew of the, I knew of the Olympics, but sort of like that path, that road to get there was, was very foreign to me. Yeah. Um, I think one of the great things about being a D3 athlete is that there isn't this scholarship pressure to perform straight away as a first year. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we have, we all experience the same, you know, like, uh, slurry of emotions when you move out of home and you're, you know, studying really hard and you have to balance getting into the dining hall and social and and all these different obligations of being a student. Um, And so I, as in D3, we sort of get to grow into ourselves as an athlete versus showing Mm -hmm. up on campus on day one and being expected to be one of the best on your team or the country or the world or whatever it is. Um, So I really grew into an athlete, I'd say, you know, I, I, I definitely had some immediate relative success, um, for what I expected of myself as a cross country athlete. Um, but I mean, really it wasn't until my second semester junior year that I was like, Oh, I'm actually, I'm pretty good at (laughs) running. And maybe this is something that I should, uh, start to consider. Um, and really it wasn't until after my junior year and only because I had another division three athlete who I was friends with, who made the change, the uh, the, the progress from a, a division three athlete to a professional athlete
0: mm-hmm. that I
1: saw that it was even a possibility. Um, and so, you know, with that person, that was Nick Simmons, he went to Willamette up in, uh, oh, in yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, honestly, it was like through his leadership, following his, 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 uh, his path to, to professional, realm. I mean, I was just like, Oh, that's how you do it. Okay. I guess that's what I'm doing. I'm moving to Oregon, I'm the <laughs> Oregon Track club. And that's, that's what you do. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So then by the time senior year came around, um, were you set on, I think, pursuing the professional athlete, I guess, uh, or I guess pursuing that path, or were you still considering other careers um, or just had like a different plan?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I'd say I had the no plan plan, probably when okay. I was in school. If you would have asked me, it was it was much more clear, yeah. um, but there was still, you know, it was a, it, living on a hope and a prayer, right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Of like, I hope that I continue to progress in a sport as I have done. Um, and if that continues, then I hope to pursue running professionally. But yeah. again, beauty of a Pomona college education is like, and if that doesn't work out, I'll go get a job at Google or something. Uh-huh. Um and and so it was really like it was my uh it was my primary objective was yeah. to continue running. Um, but I'd say even still as a as a fresh or as a senior, I didn't really know what that looked like. Mm-hmm. Um I just knew that it was like, you know, it's like when we're going into your senior year of, of college, like I want to get a job. Well, what job? Whatever job I get. Yeah, uh, I have an idea of what I want to do. I want to work in tech, or I want to work in medicine, or I want to continue in academia. Um, but where that ends up being, it's like I have no idea. You know, uh, mm-hmm. there's just so many other variables that are out of your control. And I was pretty fortunate that I had a really good cross country season that year, which no one in the professional world cared about at the Division three level. Um, but then I performed fairly well indoors in track, and then outdoors again, and so sort of caught the eye of a couple of professional coaches and agents and, uh, you know, as we say, the rest is history.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, could you talk a little bit about what it is like being a professional athlete and kind of what you do? Cause I think I don't really know what you do do and like what, what that entails. Yeah,
1: sure. Um, I mean, it's not all too dissimilar from being a collegiate athlete. You just don't go to college. Um, Uh you uh you know sort of you prioritize you, it does become one of these things where like when exercise and running is your job the the way in which you approach it becomes a little bit different right it's yeah. um i'm doing this thing because i like to do it and ultimately because i'm good at it too i'm doing this thing because i'm good at it and now i'm getting paid to do it and my compensation is commensurate with my performance yeah um so there's definitely like more stress like when you get injured in college it's like oh bummer I have these like shin splints or I have a stress fracture or whatever it is Mm -hmm. It sucks when you get a stress fracture as a professional athlete it's like I hope I saved enough money last year (laughs) (laughs) because you know we might be living a little thin yeah uh, when you can't balance your your earnings with you know races and whatever so it's um most of the work is very unglamorous you know it's Mm -hmm. it's Running a lot and yeah. a lot of time in the weight room and doing workouts. And a lot of the year, I mean, the majority of the year is just sort of, you're doing this work that no one sees, yeah. um, you know, I'd say to make it more similar to anything in academia, it's like, you're doing the research, right. And, and you're chugging away in the lab, doing all this research, hoping that what you come up with is presentable and publishable. Mm-hmm in a year's time. And so we pretty much work for eight to nine months a year, really, really hard. So that in the, the short, there's a short indoor season in the winter that we sometimes race. Um, and all of that sort of takes place on the East coast, Boston, New York. Um, and then really the season uh, the, the competition season comes into play in sort of like April, May, June, and that goes through August and September. Okay, uh, And so you know as as a how do you make money as a professional athlete, you sign endorsement deals um which mm-hmm. sort of stabilize your lifestyle and your ability to pursue sport professionally and then you supplement with i mean more so now than when I was really competing with you know social media um contracts and and that's a yeah. whole new world of being a professional mm-hmm. um, but you supplement through prize money that you win in a race or appearance fees to show up to a race or, you know, events that you go and speak at or something like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And then I also saw that you did return to school and pursue an MBA. So I wanted to ask what made you decide to do that?
1: Yeah. So uh, I don't want to, you know, make you believe I did something that I didn't. I didn't get an MBA. I went went to talk at Dartmouth, um, Mm -hmm. was for a certificate program in business management. Okay. Um, And it was a program specifically tailored towards professional athletes, transitioning professional athletes and military veterans. Okay. So people that have done something that's like this hyper specified job that requires Mm -hmm. a lot of the same um, characteristics in terms of, you know, dedication, hard work, you know, single-minded focus, delayed gratification. Um, But ultimately that's something completely different from the civilian life. And what the program was engineered to do is to empower athletes and veterans by saying, like, you've done this one thing, and you've done it really well to a high caliber for a long period of time. The skills that you that are necessary to succeed in those avenues, um, they are transferable in the business world. And here's mm-hmm. how you can talk to business professionals, or yeah. if you're interested in studying and pursuing an MBA, this is sort of what it would look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was, it was a it was a great program. The, uh, the faculty had talked, I mean, no holds barred. They, like, they were, everyone was so engrossed and, and, and dedicated to, you know, answering questions, spending time Mm -hmm. after hours. Um, and, and, and ultimately everyone left, I think almost everybody left the program feeling like, okay, like I can do this. I can do this transition. I can. Yeah. I am capable of (laughs) having a job in the private sector or public sector Mm -hmm. or nonprofit or whatever it was that sort of like you wanted to do um, where, you know, maybe we were second guessing ourselves because it's been so long since I've been in a classroom or been so long had a a quote unquote traditional job.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And then can you talk about where you went from there and kind of the work that you do today?
1: Sure. So I'd say in the immediate term from there, I was really teetering on like, and that was in the fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like, you know, do I, am I really serious about retiring from professional sport yeah. um, and, and do I have what it takes or do I need to go and, and, and pursue more schooling to qualify yeah. myself? Because as someone who was very high achieving in my job, which was running, like, you know, this is gonna be really difficult to come in and and be working with like, you know, first year out of college grads at like a level. And so um, what did I need to do or who did I need to meet in order that like I could sort of step immediately above some of those entry-level positions Mm -hmm. or, you know, if, did that require school or, you know, immediately would I qualify myself for, over-qualify myself for sort of like an entry role. yeah Um, And and when I answered some of those questions um, internally, I said, you know, okay, I've been working really hard as an athlete for the past, gosh, 2019 to 2007, 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've earned a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so uh, one of my favorite things in the world to do is downhill ski. Okay. And I, I clearly couldn't do that as a competing athlete, mm-hmm. mainly because my contracts prohibited against it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you're doing something that wasn't running, you lost all of your money um and so i said you know this winter so that was in like sort of september october i was like i'm gonna take six months and just like clear my head i'm gonna go ski this winter and then we all know what happened and COVID hit yeah and so that really i mean there's 25 million people who had a lot more experience you know whereas i was looking forward to having conversations with people trying to convince them through some of my personal attributes as a human being and that I was qualified to do these jobs that on paper, mm-hmm. maybe I wasn't so qualified for. Um, it was going to take some people taking a chance on, yeah. um, on an applicant like myself. Um, I think people were a lot less willing to take chances when uh pandemic mm-hmm. hit. And so it was, it was a really long process and I went through a lot of counseling to like make sure that like mentally physically or mentally and emotionally I was in the right place if a job did arise and like what remote work looked like because I didn't have any experience in in in-person work and one of the things that my wife uh brought up at the time was like you know I'm this was really sad because one of the things I was looking forward to was like going into an office and like sitting around a water cooler chatting with coworkers, going out to happy hour Mm
0: -hmm. joining
1: the kickball league you know all this sort of stuff that was like the, when the world shut down, I mean, for better or for worse, like my life didn't change a whole lot, but I was hoping that it would change. And so Mm -hmm. I sort of found myself in this, in a period of uh, just like waiting, you know, waiting for things to open back up, waiting for taking interviews, talking with as many people that would talk to me. um, And, you know, a lot of it didn't ever turn into anything. And so there was some disappointment there. And in, in, in terms of like, you know, I'm putting myself out there mm-hmm. as this like non-traditional applicant um, and, and nothing really came about. Um, yeah. And then, so I had a volunteer role with USA track and field at the time I was a, an event leader with the athletes advisory committee and yeah. sort of said, you know, I, I was in that role for about 10 years as an athlete um, because you know, at Pomona, you can't just do one thing. I couldn't just be an athlete. I had to be an athlete and an advocate. And I had to, and advocating for athlete rights was something that I was super passionate about. Um, and I said, you know, I've been in that role for sort of like that entry, like minimal amount of time to be in this role. Like, yeah. all right, I have this experience. I have these connections. I have these relationships. How can I leverage that to being more impactful? Because now I have the time and I have the energy because I'm not mm-hmm. running hundred miles a week. And so- I got elected into the role of the vice chairperson of the athletes advisory committee. And also I occupy a seat as a director on the board of directors, which takes a a huge amount of time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, If you want to, you know, do it, do, uh, do the due diligence and do justice to the position. Yeah. Um, and, and as, as sort of like that unfolded, and as I got more and more entrenched in these volunteer positions, um, a a colleague of mine at Under Armour, which is where the company with which I was an athlete for the last three years of yeah. my competitive career, was like, "Hey, we want to create a position for you in our sports marketing department. Do mm-hmm. you have interest in doing that?" And honestly, I was at a point where I was like, "You know, beggars can't be choosers," and uh, and and also it sounded like a really fun opportunity. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, in it this job sort of came about. And, um, that's what I've been doing now that they started October 1st of this year, um, mm-hmm. working in the sports marketing department at Under Armour, but where I liaise between, uh, product development in terms of their inline development, mm-hmm. teams, their innovation teams and sports marketing, where I work with our professional athletes in helping find, creative, um, solutions to, uh, to product problems that we might have or or shortfalls in product that we have as a brand. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, using, I I studied math at Pomona. And so what math is really is just, it's problem solving. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was always something I was really, really passionate about in, in terms of on a linguistic side of studying philosophy and a numbers side of studying, you know, mathematics like, how can Mm -hmm. you come up with creative solutions um, to complex problems? and that's you know what i've been it's been super fun to like exercise that part of my brain that you know mm-hmm. as an athlete you're like in a race scenario you're always coming up with creative solutions and like on a, on the drop of a hat um but as a, a as an employee it's been it's been interesting it's been mm-hmm. a, a a difficult transition in in so far as like working for a massive corporation things move yeah. a bit more slowly than you know, when I'm a business of one as an athlete, if I want to change something or it's snowing outside in, in, in Minnesota, I'm at my parents' house in Minnesota right now. Um, I'm, I'm embarrassed to show you, like, there's the shrine to my running. <laughs> nice I right down. down. <laughs> um, you know, there's high school, college, professional, all sorts of stuff up there. Mostly, <laughs> it's actually mostly college stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if, if something's not going a particular way, it's only up to me to change it. Whereas yeah. now I have to go through a boss and she goes through her boss and, and we have to get approval and all this other stuff. And so mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a very different uh, experience than, yeah. than that. That's for sure.
0: Okay, very cool. Um, so where would you see yourself or hope to take your career in the future?
1: Um, another good question. I have no idea, uh, <laughs> but it's funny. In my onboarding process, uh, I've been meeting with a lot of global VPs and and directors, yeah. various different parts of the brand, and everyone is like, you know, Will, we're so excited to bring you in as an athlete, and like, mm-hmm. you know, my. By the end of your contract, we hope that you found the avenue where you want to explore the rest of your career with Under Armour. Yeah, and uh, it's really it's it's helpful for me to hear like. My boss's boss's boss say that to me because mm-hmm. it's like, you know there's expectations for sure in my role and in what they hope to accomplish and what I hope to accomplish in, mm-hmm. on an individual level, but also it's like you know they're bringing me in because you know it's sort of like the college when you come in as a freshman study whatever you want and then by the time maybe coming the end of your sophomore early junior year you found professors or avenues of study that you want to follow yeah. And like, They want to foster that development of you. Like you didn't get into Pomona because you, well, maybe you do, some people do, because you're a brilliant mathematician. You get in because you sort of encompass this idea of a well-rounded liberal arts student, whereas like you're going to contribute academically, but also to the broader community that is the college. It's at Mm -hmm. Under Armour. It was, we're bringing you in because we think that you have a set of attributes that will help us succeed, but also- it's not just because you ran fast, right? It's like, mm-hmm. because we see something else and we want you to find that. And then once ultimately you do, that's where your trajectory towards ultimate success will um, okay. hopefully.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think that we have covered quite a bit. And to wrap things up, my last question that I always ask is, do you have any advice for current students? And this could be really about anything you'd like to share.
1: Sure. Um, I always thought that it was really funny, uh, you know, even with my sponsor group of like people coming in and being like, I'm pre-med or I'm pre-law, or I want to study economics because I want to go get an MBA. You know, like we have these preconceived notions of like where our life is going to go. And as we experience more, all of those experiences inform your ultimate decision. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, what I might want as a 18 year old out of high school is going to probably look very different than I want as a 22 year old graduating from college. Yeah. Um, and so the number one thing that I would say to, to current students is like be open to, to new experiences, mm-hmm. you know, go on ski beach day, ski beach day is something that I still tell people about. Um, and they can't believe it. Like, wait, you get on a bus at seven o'clock in the morning and you ski until lunch. And then you drive to a beach and go surfing in the afternoon. <laughs> like, what is this? Um these opportunities that are presented to us at Pomona are unlike we think it's normal because that's where we are but it's so beyond normal and and beyond the ordinary yeah um, that really like when I when we you know I had 14 fellow alums gathered this year at the LA marathon because Uh these the bonds that we made through school have persisted to this day and even though people have you know, kids and jobs and whatever. We try and make time, at least once a year. You know, if someone's not getting married, to to <laughs> gather and do yeah. something really stupid, right? We're all we're idiots going to run a marathon, and <laughs> many of whom had no business stepping on the start line of the marathon. They were not prepared, <laughs> but like, you know what? It's going to be fun. It's going to yeah. hurt for a little while. We're gonna we raised a bunch of money for the Elliott Regional Food Bank, um, but these experiences that. And, and the relationships that you derive through going through something ultimately uncomfortable, right? Like go on one of the OR camp da- camping trips or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I don't know what are calling the outdoor group now, but like put yourself in a situation where you rely on other people to maybe get you through. And ultimately you learn a lot about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it may not inform anything and it may inform everything for you yeah. going forward. Uh, and yeah, I just think like, Pomona is such a special place. The reason that, you know, on the pod right now is because I just love the school so much. Mm -hmm. And anytime I, any opportunity I get to go back to campus to like just remember what it was like to be there, you know, walking through campus and seeing current students Mm -hmm. walking, going to class, sitting around at the coop fountain, just like Mm -hmm. hanging out, working on stuff. And, you know, it's like my wife went to a, a big state school. And when she goes back to campus, she's like, this is, what this is where you went to school this that's not possible this isn't you <laughs> only see this in movies and uh you know cherish the time that you're there because you blink an eye and four years is over um, yeah and i i always remember uh, a, a philosophy professor uh steve erickson i don't know if he's still at the at, uh, at the college um he was from a small town in southern minnesota mm-hmm. so we always sort of like related over that you know frozen tundra hard yeah. living experience of of being in the midwest cold winters and hot summers um but i had him for a seminar my my freshman year and i remember him saying one time like these are the best years of your life and i was like come on we're we're <laughs> studying there's like no way the when i get out of school and i have my job and I make it, i'm making like, my those are going to be the best years of my life and like sure but we like i always look back on my experience at pomona and just think like this is before you really have any Real world obligations. Yeah, you know, like you have a mortgage. Like, maybe you do. I don't know. But like, for the most part, it's where like your job is to go and enjoy life and be a college student. So like, enjoy it and be a college student and take yourself seriously, but not too seriously.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, great advice, Will. Thank you, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate it.
1: No problem, Sierra. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you guys for listening and take care.